Welcome to the Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery, where every death had a life and every life had a story. My name is Jenny Johnson. And I'm Diane Hartshorn. So when this episode airs, which will be on Thursday, because we release these on Thursday, it will be the day after St. Patrick's Day. And I don't know what your heritage is, Diane, but part of my heritage is Irish. Mine is. Mine is as well. I kind of thought so based on other conversations we've had. Um, But I know that my great-grandmother on my mom's side her parents came over from Ireland. So mm-hmm. she was very Irish and celebrated her Irish heritage and instilled it in my grandmother and my mom. And it's, you know, come down the line. So we get all excited every year for St. Patrick's Day. So since yesterday was the celebration of St. Patrick's Day, we thought it would be fun to feature an Irish cemetery from Ireland. <laughs> uh, it is my understanding that St. Patrick's Day is not celebrated in Ireland to the extent that it gets celebrated in America and that the way we celebrate it here is very much an American Irish tradition. Yes, definitely. Um, But those of us who are of American Irish descent are very proud of the fact that we're Irish and we love to wear our green and drink our beer. Now I don't drink the green beer, but I do have a Guinness every year. Oh, definitely. It's like blasphemous if you don't have a Guinness on St. Patrick's Day. Right. Although this year I probably will be having Smithwick's because I actually have some from one of the pubs that we like to go to here. And so I'll be drinking Smithwick's. That's Smithwick's is another one of my favorites too. Yeah. I actually like it better than Guinness, (laughs) but I will say researching cemeteries abroad is tricky. I had a little bit of trouble at first finding information. And then once I did, it was like information overload. I was fortunate enough to find a cemetery in Dublin that holds a very special place in the hearts of the Irish, and that is Glasnevin Cemetery. Glasnevin Cemetery was conceived in 1828 and opened in 1832. The cemetery was the brainchild of Daniel O'Connell. O'Connell was a Catholic politician who became known as the Great Liberator. When he was elected to Parliament in 1828, he forced that body to accept Catholics. At that time, there were no burial grounds for Catholics in Dublin, and they were forced to give up or water down their burial cemeteries in order to be buried in the Protestant cemeteries. Glasnevin Cemetery was meant to be a cemetery for people of all religions or none, according to O'Connell. The most notable monument in the cemetery is that which was raised in honor of Daniel O'Connell himself. It is a round granite tower standing 168 feet tall and was designed by George Petrie and completed in 1869. It includes a winding staircase to a viewing room at the very top that holds up to six people. I mean, I I was trying to imagine this as I was reading it and, oh, that must, it must be fabulous. Right. Especially because it's in Ireland. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From the windows, you can see the ocean and the Wicklow Mountains in the south and Mourne Mountains in the north. O'Connell died in 1847 while on a visit to Rome. His sarcophagus is inside the tower with an inscription that reads, my heart to Rome, my body to Ireland, my soul to heaven. It is considered lucky to rub a portion of his sarcophagus when you visit. The tower was bombed in 1971 during what is called the Troubles in Ireland by a group of loyalists. Fortunately, the tower itself withhold the blast, but it did destroy the winding staircase within. 
The staircase was not repaired until funds were raised in 2014. Glasnevin Cemetery was designed as a garden cemetery and was meant to be similar to Pierre Lachaise Cemetery in Paris. However, it was not the first place to be buried when it initially opened. In fact, the more well-to-do of Dublin balked at burying their loved ones here due to problems with grave robbing and the fact that it had become the burying ground for victims of cholera. A plague of cholera hit Ireland especially hard in 1849. 13,000 people in Dublin died of the disease. The majority of the dead were buried in a mass grave in Glasnevin Cemetery, and that grave became known as the cholera pit. Victims of the disease were typically buried late at night with no ceremony, and their remains were covered by quicklime as additional bodies were added. The first burial took place on February 22, 1832, while the ground was consecrated and opened to the public the previous day. Michael Carey, from Francis Street in Dublin, was the first person to be laid in rest there. He was only 11 years old. The cemetery has kept meticulous records since its opening and can tell you exactly where everyone is buried. As the Victorian era progressed, the record keeping became better and better. Not only did the records specify the names and dates of death of the interred, but generally what they died of. It is a fascinating record of the diseases that were rampant during the 1800s and early 1900s in Dublin. It wasn't long before Irish heroes began to be buried within the walls of Glasnevin Cemetery, and this made it a desirable place for Victorian burials. Buried among the dead are many Irish revolutionaries. These men and women played complicated roles in the history of Ireland, fighting as allies with the British in World War I, but also fighting against them in Ireland's own bid for freedom from the English crown. And then again, amongst themselves in the Irish Civil War. There are many heroes of World War II also buried in this cemetery. And that was just a very, very short synopsis of Ireland's late 18 through the early 1900s history because it's very complicated. <laughs> According to the Irish call, these are the top 10 most notable people. And actually it's 11. I threw an extra one in. Top 10 notable people buried in Glasnevin Cemetery. Of course, their list begins with Daniel O'Connell, the founder of the cemetery. It goes on to include Charles Stuart Parnell, who was born in 1846 and died in 1891. He was the founder and leader of the Irish Parliamentary Party and he was sent to an early grave by a scandalous adultery case. Maud Gone, 1866 to 1953, she was the muse of poet W.B. Yeats. Gone was an English-born actress who was won over to Irish nationalism and was imprisoned as a rebel leader. And then, of course, W.B. Yeats himself is also buried in the cemetery. He is one of Ireland's most popular and prolific poets. His grave is not far from Maud's. While he loved Maud till the end of his days, she did not feel the same about him, and they were never lovers in life. Next is Amon de Valera, 1882-1975. He was a leader in Ireland's struggle for independence, founder of the Fianafel political party, and de Valera also served as prime minister and president of Ireland. Glasnevin had a new phone system installed for his funeral. The next person is Brendan... Bion, from 1923 to 1964, he was an Irish poet, novelist, and playwright who was imprisoned for IRA activity. 
His first play, The Queer Fellow, was produced in Dublin in 1954. Next, we have Michael Collins, who was born in 1890. He died in 1922. He was an Irish revolutionary leader, considered the founding father of the Fine Gael Party. Collins was killed in an ambush at the age of 32 in 1922. His funeral was a ticket-only affair. Next, we have Countess Constance Markovich, who was born in 1868 and died in 1927. She was a revolutionary and a suffragette. Markovich was the first woman elected to the UK's House of Commons. Christy Brown, born in 1932 and died in 1981. Daniel Day-Lewis played this Irish writer and painter who had cerebral palsy in the award-winning film, My Left Foot. Next is Luke Kelly, who was born in 1940. He died in 1984. He was a vocalist and founding member of the band The Dubliners, one of Ireland's greatest folk singers. And last but not least, Arthur Griffith, born in 1872 and died in 1922. He founded Sinn Féin and was an early leader of the new free state. We have to take a moment and revisit the grave of Michael Collins. That is one of the most visited graves in the cemetery. As we mentioned just a moment ago, Michael Collins was an Irish revolutionary leader and he was killed in an ambush at the age of 32. Before that, he was a very popular movie actor in Ireland. He was handsome and charismatic and had many fans, especially among the ladies. In fact, there was a journalist in Ireland who published a story several years ago about a mysterious French lady who visits his grave several times a year. Eventually, the lady was identified as Veronique Crumbie, a lecturer at the French National Museum who admits to a passionate love for the Irish revolutionary. She admits that she has no Irish ancestry or connection to Ireland, but she fell in love with Michael Collins after seeing the movie that, he, that was made about him. It drove her to visit Ireland and his gravesite to learn more about him. She has been visiting his grave several times a year since her first pilgrimage in August of 2000. She told the Sunday Independent in 2015 that she cannot explain the magnetism and draw that Collins has on her. Veronique told the Sunday Independent how she was attending an Indian classical dance workshop in the south of France in August 2000 when she felt the inexplicable need to rush to a nearby cathedral and light a candle for Collins. On the 22nd, the date he was shot dead, was the decisive moment which helped me understand that definitely sooner or later I would have to go to Ireland to know more and that going to his grave would show me the way. That Michael himself was drawing me to continue on his story, she said. This excerpt was taken from an article in the Irish Call, which has a fabulous interview on Veronique and how her connection to Michael Collins has led her to help save some other historical landmarks in Ireland, as well as his legacy. And you can find a link to that article in our show notes for today's episode. Another interesting person buried in this cemetery is Jesuit priest Father Francis Brown. Father Brown is credited as the photographer of the last known photograph taken of the RMS Titanic. He was also a decorated military chaplain during World War I. He was the youngest of eight born to a wealthy family in Cork, Ireland on January 3rd, 1880. Sadly, his mother died eight days after he was born and his father died when he was nine years old. Francis was then raised by his uncle who was a bishop in the Catholic church. 
It was his uncle who bought him his first camera. In 1909, he visited Rome along with his uncle and a brother who was also a priest. They were granted an audience with Pope Pius X, who allowed Francis to photograph him. Francis was officially ordained on July 31st, 1915. In April 1912, he received a present from his uncle, a ticket for the maiden voyage of RMS Titanic from Southampton, England to Queenstown, Ireland via Chabour, France. He traveled to Southampton via Liverpool and London, boarding the Titanic on the afternoon of 10th April 1912. He was booked in cabin number A37 on the promenade deck. Brown took dozens of photographs of life aboard Titanic on that day and the next morning. He shot pictures of the gymnasium, the Marconi room, the first class dining salon, his own cabin, and of passengers enjoying walks on the promenade and boat decks. He captured the last known images of many crew and passengers, including Captain Edward J. Smith, gymnasium manager T.W. McCauley, engineer William Parr, Major Archibald Butt, writer Jacques Futrell, and numerous third class passengers whose names are unknown. During his voyage on the Titanic, Brown was befriended by an American millionaire couple who was seated at his table in the liner's first-class dining salon. They offered to pay his way to New York and back in return for Brown spending the voyage to New York in their company. Brown telegraphed his superior requesting permission, but the reply was an unambiguous, get off that ship. Brown left the Titanic when she docked in Queenstown and returned to Dublin to continue his theological studies. When the news of the ship's sinking reached him, he realized that his photos would be of great interest, and he negotiated their sale to various newspapers and news cartels. They appeared in publications around the world. Brown retained the negatives. The Eastman Kodak Company subsequently gave him free film for life, and Brown often contributed to the Kodak magazine. Because of the cost, many of his negatives were never printed. Father Brown also served as a chaplain with the Irish Guard during World War I. He was injured five times during the war, including a very serious injury as a result of a gas attack. He was awarded the Military Cross for his distinguished service. Just as he did on the Titanic, he took many photographs during the war that became essential documentation to life as a soldier during World War I. After the war, Father Brown served as a missionary in many countries around the world and continued to take photographs. Eventually, he ended up back in Dublin. He died at the age of 80 on July 7, 1960. What a fascinating life. Oh, I can't even imagine. Just, you know, I mean, not only was he a priest, but then he did all this traveling and took all these photographs. And his, I mean, it's documented in that way. I think that's so cool. Glasnevin Cemetery is the final resting place to more than just Ireland's famous and notable people. There are more than 1.5 million souls who call Glasnevin Cemetery their final resting place. It is a cemetery full of Irish tradition and stories. So many stories that a museum was built on site to help tell them. The stories of the Irish people who worked hard and loved hard. If you visit, you will also find on site the Glasnevin Trust Flower Shop and a gift shop. It has become one of Ireland's top visitor destinations. One of the resources I used in researching this episode was the documentary, One Million Dubliners. I highly recommend this documentary if you are interested in this cemetery. It came out in 2014, but it is a wonderful way to learn the history of the cemetery itself and also the stories of the people working to help keep it up. 
A cemetery this large takes a lot of work and a lot of funding to keep it in good shape. I also enjoyed the documentary uh, for the gorgeous videography of the cemetery itself. Like the, like I said, there's views going over the cemetery. So you see all the monuments and the grounds and it's, it's gorgeous. There are so many beautiful headstones and other monuments within this particular cemetery. This is a cemetery where they pride themselves on not disturbing the dead. People are literally buried head to toe, shoulder to shoulder. But should graves shift over time, they will not disturb the burial to add another grave. They will simply find another spot in which to bury someone. This can sometimes be a disappointment to families, but it is important to those who run Glasnevin Cemetery that the dead are fully respected. Another interesting fact is that all the burials face rising the sun. This is a common practice in many cemeteries, but there are also many where the interred are buried facing different directions. Within the 150 acres are monuments to Republicans of the Rising, hunger strikes, and Irish soldiers in India who mutinied in 1916, and victims of the 1849 epidemic buried in a circular mass grave. Stone angels mark the plot where stillborn and young children are interred. Some grave markers are inscribed, kneel and pray, others read, stay a while, and sit and chat. Glasnevin is a personal, historic, and prayerful place. We thought we would end this episode with a few Irish blessings. We don't know who wrote these, some are sweet and some are funny, but we felt they will be fitting for our tribute to Glasnevin Cemetery and the millions of stories buried there. Here's to beefsteak when you're hungry, whiskey when you're dry, all the women you'll ever want, and heaven when you die. May the blessings of light be upon you, light without and light within, and in all your comings and goings, may you ever have a kindly greeting from them you meet on the road. May the rose rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rains fall upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. It was such a fun episode to do. We are so pleased that you joined us once again for another episode of The Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery. And we truly hope you have enjoyed learning a tad bit about Ireland's Glasnevin Cemetery. Ireland has always been at the top of my list for a visit, and now I have something new to look forward to when I go there. Thank you to those of you who have reached out over social media or by email with your compliments and ideas. We really do enjoy hearing from each and every one of you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery and on Twitter at Ord Extra Sim. If you would like to write us with additional information on cemeteries, or if you have questions about cemeteries you would like answered, you can email us at ordinaryextraordinarycemetery at gmail.com. And as always, if it's not too much trouble, we would love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or on our website, theordinaryextraordinarycemetery.com. You'll also find the many resources we used to research this episode in the show notes for today on the website. I have also included some links to a couple of other podcasts that go into more details about some of Ireland's history that better tells the story of so many of the souls in Glasnevin Cemetery, in case you're curious. Thanks again for listening. Until we meet again.